Circuit Cast with your host, Mark Amory. Kia ora koutou. welcome to Circuit Cast. Views and banter about the visual arts in Aotearoa and beyond. Well, it's the end of the year special. We're here in Murphy's pub and a snug once again. The sounds of Guns N' Roses and Queen have been heard on the sound system. A game of bowls is ensuing on the television and I'm here with Martin Patrick and Megan Dunn and my producer Mark Williams for our end of year wrap up. Kia ora guys. Hello. Martin, any comments for you in terms of memorable shows? Have you got one for us? Well, I know that one of the privileges of being invited so regularly to be on this podcast is I got a chance to see some some really nice things and not and not miss them stupidly. And, um, of course, there are a few that would be hard to miss, like uh, some of the public gallery shows. And I think the um, Simon Starling's Speculum show was one of the highlights of the first half of the year here in Wellington. Um, it was a, a chance to see a really, um, I think, major uh, global artist who's... Um, kind of been making just really fascinating work for quite a few years and to see it here in City Gallery was quite uh, quite terrific because it was a kind of real mix uh, of, of sculpture, of installation, of, of time-based uh, work, all with this kind of very particular idiosyncratic playfulness that's really his trademark. And we talked about that in an earlier podcast, but I think, you know, Starling's work uh, I've followed for years and and uh, I thought that was one of the keepers yeah. Yeah, of I the think, international yeah. shows. I, I, I thought at the time, as I've said, that I had some issues with some of the work, but I think some of my favourite uh, video works of the year were in that show. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, of course, it sort of augured in terms of thinking about news locally. It augured the sort of, I guess, the sort of beginnings of the Robert Le- Leonard period at City Gallery with that that cross over to his previous job at the IMA and I think a, um, a sort of an international reach which is which has been quite a strong pronounced change in the gallery. I think it's been a terrific year for City Gallery. I expected it with Robert's arrival. I think many of us did and it's been delivered. I think upping the game and bringing in different artists, the unexpected, has been fantastic. And a little bit of competition and ambition doesn't hurt the scene, in my opinion. So I, I hope that will create further ripples as it rolls out. Um, for me, Lexicon, the Vivian Sassen yeah. show, was a personal highlight uh, deeply, um, which links to some of the writing I loved as well. But... Uh, yeah, it, it links to a great piece actually by Robert Leonard called Detail in the Shadows, which he wrote for Photophile about Lexicon. For people who have seen the show, a very sumptuous, troubling show about blackness and whiteness in a multitude of ways, and yet also hugely imaginative and uh, elusive at some fundamental level. I, I really recommend reading this piece. Um, And in it he talks about, in linguistics, a language consists of two parts, the lexicon and the grammar. The lexicon is the word stock, while the grammar is the rules by which those words can be arranged into meaningful statements. Both parts constrain what can be said. 
So in calling the work a lexicon, Sasson frames it as something complete, the full word stock from which she or we must compose what she or we want to say. But this suggestion only points to its implausibility, the work's radically incomplete nature. I did notice across the net, um, the, the internet, that the show was provocative for some people, some instantly falling down on the lines of it's a white woman photographing black people, therefore it must be wrong. Mm -hmm. And I, I think Robert's uh, piece of writing gets into the complexity that's certainly there in those images. But he opened it up by the way it was framed as well, with the Chris Marker work on one video oh, work on yeah. one side, and uh, I forget the name of the, the the video artist on the other side. But the, the really, yeah, 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 really, really I'm beautifully. Not <laughs> yeah, spoke Mafamba beautifully, kind of crossed it, and I like that kind of internationalism about the. City Gallery program. I think I saw a, a really fascinating documentary on the on, on the on the contemporary music scene in South Africa that was in an open late series mm. later in the year. There was a kind yeah. of a real sense of audience gathering around City Gallery this year. That Mathumbo piece, Control, you know, mm. the, the the retake of Joy Division's Control, is just so utterly fantastic. And being you know such a fan of the music video as a genre, I mean, that was a terrific piece. And Sasson's photographs, in a way, have that kind of weird imaginative dream that music videos can provide. So for me, that association was really potent and playful and terrific. Mm-hmm. Okay, what else, Martin? You've got anything? Any other any other thoughts in terms of memorable shows? Well, I think uh, one thing that's interesting is that the activity in Wellington, while not as maybe uh, centered around. Um, a few uh, very powerful galleries that there are very important galleries in Wellington is the fact that in Auckland you mean uh, yeah, well that here in town there are uh-huh. a lot of a diversity of opportunities to see art whether it's under you know your own uh, letting space of urban dream brokerage kind of uh, uh, public space things um, we've had a lot of emerging artists doing uh, pop-up shows for say a few days or a week this year yeah big increase uh, in Stairs down on uh, Courtney Place has has sponsored some pretty ambitious shows and installations over the course of the year, and um, I'm actually pretty impressed with how many things that they had up throughout the year. Um, and there were some really strong showings of local artists, such as uh, Sion Torrington's show was quite good there. Um, Caitlin Dubois had a very strong installation, room installation there. Um, there's just been you know some pretty terrific work and they're commissioning some some further projects for next year so that's an interesting thing but um, and the public galleries have been so active you know mm. the Adam and, and City Gallery and so forth so for a, a city of this size it's kind of nice that there's so much going on and then uh, and then, of course, all the, um, as you mentioned, the Dows has been showing in Pataka and so forth. There's no shortage of opportunity here, but that's also perhaps part of Wellington's peculiar problem. Mm. I do think sometimes mm. there's not a, there's not enough agenda within within the smaller galleries, the dealer galleries, and the artist-run space opportunities. And I think. Auckland, perhaps with its more aggressive uh, professionalism, uh, I'm, I'm interested in the in the agenda that's at stake with Gloria Knight. I'm interested in the new agenda of fuzzy mm, vibes. Yeah, it's a cut and thrust uh, in both of those. Yeah, and and I and I don't see that same presence of a curatorial agenda here. Uh, 
I see more of a fresh and fruity approach of, you know, the mixed bag of sweeties. And, uh, I think you know, so forgive me, but I think don't don't miss the opportunity to bring your vision curatorially to a project. Well, it's quite problematic if there's a typology that continues that, and I've, in a sense, I've... I've uh, been one of the arbiters of like talking about this interesting differentiation between being um, Wellington and Auckland that one is highly professionalized and seems um, quite different than you know here in Wellington it is a kind of fringy and more um, uh, a little bit you know uh, rougher in terms of some of the output of artists but I think also um, it, it, it's quite problematic if that stays as a kind of uh, a, a sort of a polar reading of what New Zealand's uh, largest cities are doing in the art world, and then not to forget interesting things that are going on elsewhere in Dunedin and Christchurch and so forth. I think in some ways Wellington's very, very conservative. It's based, a lot of it to me, outside of the amazing work of some of those public galleries, is very based around objects and small discrete objects and the sale of them, and that's very different from some of that cut and thrust that you're talking about or, or sort of an engagement in a bigger culture. So, I mean, I'm very interested in that public art space. I'm really interested in the huge growth that we're seeing in terms of um, artists interested in uh, working, seeing where their work works within uh, social change, sort of engagement with place, there's fundamentally enormous shifts, I think, going on in Auckland in terms of what's going on in terms of seeing artists working in that kind of But to have art that, in the public space. sphere, you also have to have audience for art in the public sphere. And, yeah. and I think one thing we've, we've all noticed in the past year is the fact that the, um, the opportunities for coverage on the arts, um, certain opportunities in the arts have, have, there's been a lot of shrinkage and downsizing and, and a kind of um, a lamentable uh, disdain for even some of the most stellar uh, established artists in New Zealand as in you know, television coverage on um, uh, Bill Colbert, for example, or these sorts of things. So there's a kind of really um, a, a kind of suspiciousness to art, which I think you know, uh, I really like some of the old-fashioned virtues of New Zealand, but that's not one of them. You know. <laughs> why, why, are we, why do we see more Massey graduates as we do, I think, with Elam graduates sort of actually doing more work in the public space? Because if I look in Auckland, it's not it coming from the Auckland Art Gallery. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of support in, in those, those new galleries in South Auckland for the work, and, um, and but even art space is not, at least I think it's maybe changing now, but I, it hasn't felt like it's, 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 it's been interested in, in this kind of more public space. Well, well, as someone in, in my primary day job as an um, art lecturer at, at Massey, I, I see that one of the demands we're increasingly having among young emerging artists is more talk about professional practice. And it's just sort of interesting because years ago there was sort of a notion, oh, artists have to kind of beware of certain kinds of things because they might be selling out or they might be, you know, uh, rushing too much headlong towards something that might not be the best prospect for them. Whereas I think uh, there's a kind of interesting um, mix of pragmatics and... Um, and a real work ethic among some of the, the artists now. I mean, uh, some of our um, young emerging artists, I mean, uh, Robbie White, one of our uh, recent soon to graduate, had, had a solo show at Toy Paneki that was quite wonderful earlier in the year. Uh, he would be one of my emerging artist picks, you know, in his early 20s, but energy to burn. 
fact, one of my observations about certain elements of the scene was that has the public program taken over? I feel like yeah. I see public programs with a smidge of exhibition <laughs> running yeah. across quite a lot of institutions that that sit at art spaces level on the radar. And uh, whilst I, I don't think that should be eradicated or, or burned, <laughs> I, I do I do think there can be a lack of diversity there in a homogenous approach that runs across um, certain certain institutions. It's always a and, danger, isn't it? And yeah. it has, and it seems to have come out of you know the resurgence of relational aesthetics. And there are some artists working with quite a lot of depth in that area. And then I think there are others that are following in the mode of the huge wave of never ceasing average abstractionists out there, averagely making average abstraction all the time. You know. <laughs> Also making sort of average social functions, actually. Yes, yeah. yes, uh, yes, um, correct. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and I, uh, you know, so I think there's a what, what I affectionately call a care bearism at stake. Hmm. That means that these public programs can proliferate without enough substance. Maybe we could talk about the best emerging artist kind of category. I am interested in a lot of the, the, the object-based work. I was struck just last week by going to the opening for Handshake at Toy Porniki, the second iteration of this amazing mentoring program where I think a dozen New Zealand jewellers appeared with whoever they want, want to have a mentor around the world. And I was really struck by some work by Amelia Pasco, uh, who's maybe not emerging. She's been around a little while, but she's she she been taking these ballet shoes, old discarded ballet shows from, shoes from the Royal New, New Zealand Ballet, and she'd basically been taking them apart and reconstituting them. They almost like sort of like fallen dead birds, these crumpled birds, um, or, or petals, and, and and they're full of all these amazing stories. She's kind of teasing them out. There's work like that that I find in say the jewellery world. When Wunderbarma was a show that uh, was uh, a beautiful show at the Douse. Uh, in the applied arts, in the ceramics area that I think is, uh, you know, that is being represented well again at the Douse. Uh, there's some, some of that works really, really strong. Any other ideas on emergent artists? Well, I think I took that term quite liberally, and I decided to go for artists that I felt were fully emerged. But this has been a great year for them. <laughs> And so, in that spirit, I, I Shannon Tiao and mm-hmm, Sing yes. Cheng, who um, propositions yes. at Freedom Farmers um, and Gleaners Garden, which I wrote about, and it kind of irritated me. Uh, yet, I thought I was engaging with depth in, a, in another point of view well, that, that was, was that not in, my own. That was in Joy at the beginning of the year. Yes, in it was in Joy at the beginning and of Freedom the year. And Freedom Farmers Open yeah, Art Gallery. Yeah, that's right. Which, of course, spanned the summer. Yeah, and I and I would and I would put Cheng at the, you know, at the best level of what, of what I was talking about with that. You, very sincere drive to integrate a better life and her life and a, a way ahead for living with making. Um, so, but I would say that a lot of the artists, um, there is a, there were a lot of uh, uh, questions about the curatorial 
um, statements around Freedom Farmers, which is one of, actually, that's one of the shows in New Zealand that I'm, uh, I, I'm I lament that I didn't see that firsthand, but, um, mm-hmm. but I know some of the artists and, and the work and the idea that, I, I mean, I don't think anybody, people are pretty sophisticated here, and I don't think mm. that, that to, in defense of the Care Bear aesthetic, <laughs> I guess, I, no, I, I think there's a lot of uh, politicized work, but with very subtle kind of nuances True. going on here. Um, a few years ago, I know Anthony Burt um, sort of leveled in, in an interesting piece on, uh, I think it was on one of the prospect shows, that that there was not enough politicized kind of work mm-hmm. in, in the world in New Zealand was quite insular in comparison to uh, some of the international work. But I think, you know, uh, I would certainly second that uh, I'm a little prejudiced because I'm, uh, he's a good friend and colleague of mine, uh, Shannon, but uh, I think Shannon Teow is is an example of an artist who's who's trying to work a lot with uh, politicized aspects but not forgoing the aesthetic and not forgoing... very important challenges, particularly in terms of moving, moving image video. Yeah. yeah, I think it's been a very significant year for him, and I know his work has resonated with, with a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. Just to move backwards for um, a yeah. second into Freedom Farmers, yes. I thought it seemed to toy equally with optimism and pessimism, dreams of the state, and just, well, dreams and dreamers. <laughs> You know, Natasha Conlon took a lot of flack for that in in terms of, you know, reviewing and discussion amongst the art community. And one point of view that I heard was that it wasn't a museum-quality show. Perhaps fortunately or unfortunately, I'm not exactly sure what that is, although I don't doubt that everyone else is keeping vigil. But I do remember Freedom Farmers and the work, and it had a kind of collapsed spaciousness, which in the end didn't always serve the works well, but it did seem to emanate from some of the works. And when I cast my mind back to it, uh, there were artists in the show that, that I've been interested to see more from. Yeah, I, I agree with you. That's to show a state of me. I, I think I was quite critical of it at the time. I thought it was quite mixed as a show. There was a lot of work I thought... There was a tendency sometimes with Auckland Art Gallery shows for a lot of things to be thrown into the mix to kind of try and do everything at one time. Mm. The sort of a, the slight slowness of their programming sort of leads to a sort of a slight overworking of things. But generally, I think there was a lot of work in that show that really strayed with me. I, I was going to mention Martin Basher in that show mm. because I really liked his work, Blackberry Snaps, that I then saw at City Gallery. Um... Can we go back to Shannon, Shannon yeah. Tiao, because I've got a, I, I have got a little um, plug there from, um, from Thomason. So she says, can I quickly add a work which impressed me very much this year? I didn't get to the Sydney Biennale. Did any of us get to the Sydney Biennale? No. No, none of us <laughs> made it. None of us made it. Too we busy all, here in Wellington. We all, we all, I am sure, read about the political shenanigans with keen interest. Mm. Um, Thomason, but I got to see Shannon Tiao's two shoots that stretch far out, just the bit with the donkey... Chester when, is the donkey. Ah, Chester. When he showed it at the Adam Art Gallery's Art Writing Symposium, uh, which had a very memorable opening address from Winston Kerno. Um, I'm always a sucker for work that, that... That was me, sorry, saying the Winston Kerno bit. Sorry, Thompson. I'm always a sucker for work that concerns language, and this is a subtle and beautiful meditation on speech, translation, and communication. I would love to see it properly installed at a gallery in New Zealand soon. 
um, if it hasn't been already, which I don't think it has. So, yeah, I, I, I'd, I'd agree. Megan? Yeah, I think I had that noted down as my most memorable moving image work of the year. It's something I've heard echoed by several people within the community. Like Thomason, I saw that at the Art Writing Symposium. Um, and I saw it after I'd recently reread John Burge's Why We Look at Animals, mm. and the integrity <laughs> and moral implications of the work struck a deep chord with me. She's put the, the use of language in that in that work very eloquently you know Shannon is reading out a piece quite quietly and the donkey <laughs> the donkey Chester is gingerly approaching him that makes it sound ridiculous it's actually quite potent and moving but the limitation of language really struck me and I I mean many people will be very familiar with John Burge's piece Why We Look at Animals a very famous piece but I love this little bit from it what distinguished man from animals was the human capacity for symbolic thought the capacity which was in Inseparable from the development of language in which words were not mere signals but signifiers of something other than themselves. Yet the first symbols were animals. What distinguished men from animals was born of their relationship with them. Just a hugely resonant work from Shannon which has many layers to it, some of it local and cultural. Um, But for me it was that that deeper resonance which really got me on the day. Love to see it installed as well and very keen to see more more from him. Along with a swan, a colony of rabbits, a brood of chickens and a wallaby. Yes, the work work is more extensive than the the piece seen at the the symposium. Yes, the two shoots that stretch far out. That was a work I had down as well. Emerging artists, I'll just have from Thomason here. She was mentioning a show that we looked at in an earlier circuit cast, which was the the Tongan Contemporary Show at Pardika. Some good things at Pardika this year. And this was a really interesting show, uh, which brought out an artist I I was really interested in as a video artist, John Vayer. Another artist in that show that Thomason was really interested in... uh, was Anne Tonga, and Thompson says he was, she was fascinated, and I think these were shown at uh, Gus Fisher Gallery as well this year. Anne Tonga, I was fascinated by her photographs, um, grills. Uh, I feel like her work offers a new and exciting take on the familiar but endlessly fertile subject of cultural identity. I was excited to see what she does next, including her curatorial work. Um, yeah, I thought I'd mention as well. And also Thomason says she wanted to quickly say she was intrigued to see what Matilda Fraser comes up at the Blue Oyster Summer Writing Residency this year. Her brief is, is criticism still valid? And as a savvy artist and accomplished writer, I'm sure it is bound to be good. Is criticism still valid? I have on my, my, my line of topics for us today uh, a question around interesting art writing and Megan, you have already uh, given us some thoughts on some good good writing from Robert Lynn. I wondered if either of you had any contributions in thinking around writing this year that you've enjoyed or or not. Well, one thing I noticed is that, of course, uh, with the Walters Prize, there was a lot of responding to that, and so there were uh, there was a lot of writing about about that particular show and surrounding it. But then, uh, uh, as usual, there was a lot more writing. Than consideration of that writing, and and I hold myself as a suspect also that I haven't been able to read even as much of the the writing, the plentiful writing that's coming out here in New Zealand, and I uh, I think there needs to be a sort of sea change in how people read or think about. Uh, the importance of textual material here, and I'm not saying that just as an art writer, but the fact that you know it's one of our um, it's one of the 
really interesting things. You know, I came here um, about six, seven years ago um, from North America, and I've learned so much. And how did I learn it? By reading uh, writing. I mean, one of the major um, uh, occurrences of this year, of course, is the uh, the volume of Winston Kernow's uh, collected writings, um, and yes. so that's a major achievement to have this huge uh, volume of one of uh, New Zealand's most important art writers put together. Uh, this year, I was really sorry to hear, Mark, that uh, the Dominion Post had uh, decided to limit their coverage of, of art and visual art, and so... Um, you wrote a really very interesting piece um, in regard to that, and I thought that was one of uh, a really interesting uh, piece that I read this year on the big idea. And um, I think it's just really important that the kind of discourse around art in New Zealand, which has had such historical vitality, continues. Well, Mike, the interesting thing about the Kurnow book was that a, a lot of that work, a lot of people wouldn't have read it. A lot of it was was written in you know relatively obscure journals or, or things that have gone by and gone away. And so it's a very valuable book for that. I think extraordinary writing, really, really inspiring. But but what I'm really noticing at the moment, I guess, is we've seen this continued retrenchment in the mainstream press. Is we are seeing, I think, a, and I've really noticed it this week, and I really this year, and I really noticed it around the Wilders Prize a real diversity of voices and perspectives, the sense that there are different publics. Like uh, a piece that I really enjoyed, uh, I think it was on Eye Contact, was by uh, Natasha Martila-Smith, who who took myself and John Harrell and a few other Pākehā writers to task around our sort of expectations around Pacific Island art and this relation to identity and home. And I, I, I really enjoyed reading the kind of banter that's going on online and some really, really strong writing and, and coming across different platforms. I mean, I think probably the platform I enjoyed the most this year was Pandagraph Punch, which I think you've published in uh, Megan, uh, where you, you're getting this incredibly diverse range of topics and approaches to those topics. Um, you know, a three-part review of Hope and Wire, the Gaylene Preston TV series, which was a fascinating cultural occurrence. You know, just a diversity of creative thinking across politics and art and culture that I, I really enjoyed. But again, I guess your point, Martin, partly is where we access and how we access and how easy it is to miss a lot of the great writing that's going on online. Well, one point you made um, in some writing earlier this year, Mark, is that it's um, a lot of people don't search out art writing the way we would on yeah, eye contact sure, or in international sure. art journals or yeah. online or um, the responses of sophisticated commentators in various uh, 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 publications. We, we, you flip through a newspaper and then, or you flip through a magazine. And if those two venues, which are the primary venues for most people, in a cafe across the breakfast table, as I think I mentioned, you know, that there's something to discuss about that, mm. you know. And then if that's gone, then it's, um, it, it doesn't set, you know, a really good tone for uh, future commentary in New Zealand.
let's let's move back to uh, some of our focus here on circuit cast, which is around moving image work. And there's been a lot of strong work that I've seen. We've mentioned this, Shannon T.O. I wonder if people had any further thoughts on, on work in that area that's interested them this year. A show I would have liked to have seen, uh, Stretching Time by Steve Carr on, on in Dunedin. Oh, yeah. um, it certainly translates, uh, translates powerfully in images over the net, but I, I haven't experienced it in person. I, I sense that, that was, that's been a significant piece of work for him. Really been enjoying Eddie Clemens, and I think the Reload um, series of shows at the Adam were an, another strong move by them this year. Would have also liked to have seen West Craven Marina at Gloria Night. Um, I did see Eddie's piece here. But there's a kind of a huge hugely weird and wild Lord of the Flies tribal approach to digital work that, that, Eddie's, um, that Eddie's mashing up and putting together in very interesting sculptural ways presented within the space too um, and the Grant Stevens super massive work yes. I absolutely loved and I returned to see that about you know three times which is unheard of even for me and my lowly status as art reviewer Martin, any thoughts? Um, some things that come to mind are um, uh, a work that we talked about it um, uh, a few weeks ago in um, for Circuit was the um, Gavin Hipkins um, uh, major motion picture, full-length mo- motion picture, Erewhon. Um, I, um, in some ways, regardless of, of Gavin's, you know, uh, quite formidable talents as a video maker and a photographer, it's always something to sit down and watch an hour and a half film by anyone, uh, established directors, um, filmmakers, and photographers, but I felt that uh, that's that's a work that's really s- stuck with me after seeing it, and um, uh, really interesting amalgam of uh, uh, contemporary imagery and historical, historical text. Uh, I also think that... Um, the uh, I was very interested in learning about an artist who I didn't know very well, um, uh, Sean Grattan, uh, whose work Had Had is you can see on the uh, circuit site, uh, LA-based artist, but originally from New Zealand. And um, I think Had Had is a really extraordinary piece, and I'll be writing about that in the very near future. Um, and I would just also quick plug for. Um, Sam and Son did a very uh, elaborate video piece um, uh, down uh, at the Dows um, in the uh, recent exhibition of, of artists from Wellington, and um, and it had sort of more um, nuanced production values. Uh, Salmon's mostly known as a performance artist, but I think uh, uh, is moving towards uh, uh, a little bit more of a... Um, sophisticated feel as a video artist as well. Fantastic. Well, I'd like to bring us full circle and go back to the Simon Starling, actually, because I thought there were some outstanding works there, particularly Project from Masquerade from Hiroshima. I think it was originally commissioned for the Hiroshima City Museum of Contemporary Art, but this is a fascinating kind of Oh, gosh, take on a no-play involving a, a mask, mask, a series of mask-making, um, making these no-masks on everything from Colonel Sanders to James Bond, all these characters that kind of inhabited the story of a Henry Moore sculpture that I think was originally uh, commissioned for outside the University of Chicago, a laboratory where the first nuclear chain reaction was created, and... Um, 
which um, Moore said uh, and our narrator suggests was rather disingenuous and was inspired by the elephant skull rather than the mushroom cloud. It's a fascinating work, multi-layered, but this kind of sense of, of Starling's real interest in how things are made and just and, and the, the film itself exquisitely made. I thought that, that really changed uh, changed my view of how video art can work in a very powerful way. Yeah, it was a terrific and impressive piece, my, my favourite piece from that show. Right, any other final thoughts before we finish? I guess my, my final thoughts are that it was a really strong Walters Prize from my point of view and um, Luke Willis-Thompson's work to experience it, which I did the day after he won belatedly, <laughs> I, I would have loved to, to have experienced that work before anyone knew about it as it was first presented at Hopkinson, I would have loved that opportunity. It was so much more than I was anticipating, it is a work that in a soundbite can can sound close to a gimmick. You hop in a taxi, da 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 da. I was deeply cynical when I first heard about it, uh, but to experience it it, it, it really was, it really was something else. I wondered at some level, is this, is it a portrait of poverty? You know, if you, if you were recasting the work and it was at Jenny Gibbs' house, what would that mean? And just to look at that for a second in relation to Simon Denny's recent work here, um, the personal effects of Kim.com, interesting on so many levels, not least of all the response amongst the wider community here, um, sometimes fevered. Uh, you know, but um, nonetheless interesting. <laughs> Makes me reflect back on Wiston Kurnow's original piece, Absolutely. High Culture in a Small Province, um, in, in more ways than one. And ultimately, a deeply impersonal show, which is of course intentional, a merger of a man and his business, and how that became the world's business, or at least New Zealand's business right now. Um, I wondered if it was another example of something Saltz calls the new uncanny, where people when particular public figures try and reveal more about themselves, they end up revealing even less and we feel more and more estranged from them. At the opening of that show, someone who'd been drinking and was being a bit hilarious with me said, I think Doc Com's important because he's fat. And I thought, you know, I really should have put that in a piece because in a way his fatness was, is part of the subject. Well, and yeah. then the show is very fat. And no then, one would deny and that. And then how Doc Com casts a shadow on Denny and vice versa and all all of that expanded relationship and discourse has, at the very least, been something to see. Martin, what did you think of that show? Did you um, mm. get up there? Uh, the, the personal effects show. Yeah. Um, it's, it's actually one of my least favorites. Uh, I'm, I'm un, unconvinced by the ascendance of Simon Denny. I mean, I think he's obviously a very, very clever and um, formidable figure in terms of how much... Uh, sheer energy and enthusiasm he's putting into his projects, but I, I find that the the sort of critical ambivalence about the work is uh, leaving me a little uh, thwarted in how to, how to read it. And and so I've I've been to some panel discussions up at the Atom. I've talked with Tina Barton. I've gone to see his talks, um, and I'm just um, it's not resonating with me, but. It's making me want to figure out, you know, is it just me? Well, that's a great word. You, well, you should read my review, Martin. It's also <laughs> an overworked mess um, on some of, some of the questions being posed. Are you in the company of a Kirby? 
Is that the real question? In the company of a camera. <laughs> well, I think that's a very fine place to finish this evening. Martin, Patrick, Megan Dunn, thank you for joining us here on Circuit Cast. You were with here with Circuit Cast, supported kindly by Creative New Zealand. Thanks for joining us. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll have music from Orchestra of Spears this time around. We certainly had them from a number of popular entertainers. Thanks for joining us. Thank you.